Scary Story Podcast brings original short scary stories right to your ears every week. Like Dead of Night, the story of a man who moves into a new apartment building only to discover its sinister foundation. Or another recent one, The Delivery, where a man discovers a family secret hidden in plain sight. Have you ever listened to a scary story that lingers as if it reminds you of a long lost memory? My name is Edwin Covarrubias, host and writer over at Scary Story Podcast, where every episode brings you a short, original scary story every week. The stories are read just like this, me telling you a frightening story that will blur the lines between this and the world of hauntings, ghosts, and experiences that defy logical explanation. You can join us by searching for Scary Story Podcast on your app right now. It's the show by Scary FM. I'll see you over on Scary Story Podcast. Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Marquia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those sheltering in the dark with us for the first time, welcome. The imagination is a powerful thing. It can make you see and feel things that may not be real. But don't ever let your guard down, because if you're not careful you'll find out that things are far worse than you think. First, influencers put themselves in grave danger for the perfect post. Then, a fatal mistake by a sleepless neighbor, followed by a family vacation that becomes a family nightmare. Finally, in our final story, you may be done with the holidays, but they're not done with you. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week, and of those, the scariest ones make it into our podcast, along with the story that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. If you'd like to support Something Scary, then consider joining our Patreon. As a patron, not only can you help the show and see ad-free episodes, but you can also be a part of the horror and hear your name featured in one of our podcasts or weekly video stories. Visit patreon.com snarled. So, want to hear something scary? Worse than you think. Fame will go straight to your head if you let it. And if you're not careful, that fame can make you do unspeakable things. Like in this story inspired by true events in Sarah Gordo, California. Wyatt was a young, wealthy entrepreneur who set his sights on the abandoned ghost town of Sarah Gordo. His intent was to fix it up and sell it as a tourist destination. Back in its heyday in the late 1800s, Sarah Gordo was the biggest mining town in California. It was rich in silver and attracted many people from the Wild West. In addition to silver, Sarah Gordo had been infamous for its crime. Gunfights frequently broke out between drunk miners at the saloon, and stabbings had occurred when thieves robbed the mines during the night. Once the silver ran out and the town was abandoned, there were many angry spirits left behind. Wyatt did his best to ignore the spirits because he saw the money-making potential in the mines. However, now that Wyatt was living in the abandoned town all alone, he could feel something affecting his mind, turning his thoughts dark. 
Wyatt needed to get people interested to visit the old mine so he could start turning a profit on his investment. He began recording a vlog of himself exploring the town. As he shared the videos on YouTube, Wyatt was surprised at the large following he quickly garnered doing vlogs of just this deserted, haunted ghost town. Before he knew it, he had influencers reaching out to him wanting to come visit Sarah Gordo and film their content in the exclusive unique setting. Wyatt accepted, partly for the exposure his town would receive, but more so because he had become desperate for some human contact. The unhappy ghosts of Sarah Gordo had been his only company for weeks, and he feared their negative energy had an effect on him. As the first group of influencers arrived, Wyatt noticed some abnormal activity happening around the town. Curtains crashing down in empty rooms, ice-cold drafts of air that would shoot straight through his body, loud shouting noises coming from empty buildings. It appeared that the ghosts were disturbed by the new influx of visitors. Wyatt heard mysterious whispers, especially at night, urging him to send his guests away, and they grew more aggressive when he didn't do as they asked. The voice of an old prospector demanded he harm a couple of parlor enthusiasts so that they would never return. The thoughts seeped into his mind, and Wyatt could feel himself growing angry and resentful of his guests. When another group of four who were self-proclaimed ghost hunters arrived, the spirits became more aggressive. They haunted the bedrooms with sounds and shadows. But these people had come specifically for the paranormal activity. They could not be frightened off so easily. Wyatt realized this, and he feared these people would never leave, that they would take over his town and business and suck it dry of all his profit. Wyatt had become twisted by the motivations of the ghost town's former residents. So now, Wyatt had to get rid of these earthly visitors for good. After the four guests went to sleep one night, Wyatt crept out into the lobby of the old hotel where they slept and built a fire in the giant wood-burning stove. As the fire grew hotter, the evil thoughts in Wyatt's head escalated with it. He was protective of his property. He felt he must defend it at all costs. These insta-stars didn't care about him. They wanted to take his money away. They were probably plotting how to get rid of him and he would have to beat them to the punch. Wyatt stoked the fire, higher and hotter. He raided the saloon and poured out every bottle of liquor he could find. On the floors, the walls, down every hallway. His guests remained fast asleep as he poured alcohol onto the pieces of split firewood next to the stove, lit a match, and tossed it onto the woodpile. The woodpile exploded in flames, hotter, faster, taller than Wyatt had expected. He leapt backwards and fell to the floor. Now disoriented, Wyatt struggled to find the door through the thick smoke that was now pouring from the stove the wood pile, and the flames that raced down the halls towards the bedrooms. The fire spread speedily, 
following the path of alcohol Wyatt had laid throughout the hotel in a tricky maze of death. Wyatt stumbled out of the hotel, coughing in the smoke and ran from the building. He could hear the screams of his guests as they woke up to the smoke and flames lapping at their doors. Each time one of them opened a door to escape, the flames would close in, burning them, choking them, and trapping them in the room that would become their tomb. From a hilltop, a safe distance away, Wyatt watched the hotel burn. The voices in his head cheered. The evil thoughts had taken permanent residence in Wyatt's head. He felt no remorse as he watched the old hotel burn until it collapsed on itself. No one escaped, and Wyatt remains there to this day, roaming the town alone and insane. The tragedy made the town Sarah Gordo infamous, a macabre destination for those foolish enough to risk their lives for the perfect post. Find it and enter at your own risk. Thank you so much to Kelly for telling us of Sarah Gordo, California and inspiring this story. So how about you, listener? How do you know if you're listening to your inner self or if a devil is speaking in your ear? Our imaginations can be very imaginative. So how would you be able to tell if the thoughts were your own? Also, how far would you go to get a perfect post for Instagram? Would you ever travel to a ghost town like Sarah Gordo, California? If you do, please let me know. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Sleepless nights will cause you to go crazy. But in this story, inspired by Kira, you only need to be less crazy than your neighbor. Dion had been having trouble sleeping ever since he removed a big oak tree from his backyard. He had never noticed how much the tree blocked a light from his neighbor's deck, shining directly into his bedroom window. One night, the light woke him, constantly blinking on and off from midnight till 2 a.m. The next morning, Dion asked his neighbor Zeke about it. Chuckling nervously, Zeke said, Oh, sorry about that, bud. That light is on a motion sensor, but I'll adjust the angle. Dion thanked him and said there must have been a lot of action back there last night. 
Zeke seemed uneasy, said he knew it went off a lot around midnight till 2 a.m. Yeah, exactly, Dion said, surprised at the accuracy. Yeah, it happens sometimes. Don't worry about it. It's normal, Zeke trailed off. Dion wanted to ask more, but Zeke seemed to get uncomfortable and hurried inside. That night, at midnight, Dion woke again to the flashing light. But this time, he heard branches snapping. He went to the window and swore he saw a shadow. It looked like an animal on all fours, but didn't move like one. Its front legs seemed too short and its rear legs too long. Almost like a man pretending to be an animal, but it was too big and wiry for any man. He leaned towards the window to try to get a better look. He squinted to focus more clearly. He found what appeared to be a pair of black eyes staring into his. Flinching in shock, he couldn't believe what he saw. He searched through the window again for the eyes, but they were gone. Your mind is just playing tricks. Get it together, man, he whispered to himself sleepily. With an unsettled feeling, he laid down and tried to go back to sleep. The following morning, Dion caught Zeke outside and rushed to tell him what he thought he saw. As Dion spoke, Zeke's eyes widened and he subtly shook his head back and forth. Dion backed off. It became clear Zeke didn't believe him, would be of no help. He must stake out the creature himself, if there even was one. Night fell and Dion waited as midnight crept up slowly. Surveying the backyard from the safety of his room, he saw it. First, the familiar widened black eyes, meeting his gaze, too big and almost popping out of their sockets, unblinking. Then a face slowly emerging from the darkness, distorted and almost human, but too large and wrong. Some monstrosity trying and failing to blend in with a grin that bared no lips at all. Each time it advanced toward him, the yard erupted with light from the motion sensor from his neighbor's house, and the creature would pause in its tracks, resembling a nightmarish statue. Dion never actually saw it in motion, but somehow it moved closer and closer as the light would flash like a strobe light from hell, growing in size each time it reached Dion's window. Face to face with only the glass in between, never breaking eye contact. Then, with the next flicker of light, it was gone. Panicking, Dion pressed his face to the glass, searching for a glimpse, but he couldn't see anything. This emboldened Dion. His face became hot as his heart pounded in his chest. Erupting with courage, he marched outside with his hunting rifle and headed into the darkness, where he first locked eyes with the beast, trying to look like a man. As he walked, he could feel it begin to stalk him. The creature's presence closed in, appearing larger than he could have imagined and barely making a sound. Filled with adrenaline, Dion quickly spun around, firing off several shots as he fled over to Zeke's house. Dion forced his way through the back door, hoping to wake his neighbor and enlist his help in killing whatever that thing was outside. Dion ran into Zeke's room, but the man wasn't there. He searched the rest of the house only to find it completely empty. 
Worried that the creature had taken Zeke, Dion reloaded his rifle and headed back outside. As Dion took his first step outside, the motion sensor kicked the lights on once more, and there, in the clearing between Zeke's and his house, the creature lay bleeding out on the ground. Dion's wild spray of bullets had found their mark. Slowly, Dion crept closer to get a better look at this strange thing. As the creature continued to bleed, it began to transform, becoming smaller and more human-like. As Dion finally got close enough, he saw it gasp its last breath and fully revert to its original form, his neighbor, Zeke. Thank you so much, Kira, for inspiring this tale for us. This shapeshifter's tale. So, my dark darling, if you were Dion, would you turn yourself in? Or would you keep something like this secret? Would you tell the entire truth? That your neighbor was a shapeshifter? What unusual things have you seen out your bedroom window? Maybe something like too many shadows when there aren't enough things there to cast those shadows. Or worse yet, maybe not enough and something standing there, but no shadow is underneath it. Curiosity killed the cat, but when a teen's curiosity leads her into the unknown, she'll wish she was dead. Like in this story, inspired by Emma. This year for family vacation, I chose Beaver Dunes Park in Oklahoma. 300 acres of sand hills that offered dune bugging, as well as fishing and hiking on the nearby campgrounds. Everyone assumed it was because I loved the desert sand, but really, it was because I was interested in the paranormal activity I've heard happens there. When the Spanish explorer Coronado traveled to Oklahoma in search of gold, Native Americans warned him against venturing into the dunes, but he ignored the warning. Coronado later wrote in his journal that three of his men vanished in a green flash and were never seen again. Years later, men in black were seen investigating the area where a supposed UFO crashed. Multiple people went missing in the dunes through the years, some think it's quicksand, while others believe it's the shaman's portal, which takes them to an unknown destination. I was determined to find out. We arrived at our hotel and my family planned to visit the park in the morning, but I couldn't wait that long. I planned to drive there myself that night and record everything I saw. When my family was asleep, I grabbed the keys, my camera, a flashlight, and slipped out. I parked the car and walked through a small cluster of trees in the park, my flashlight guiding the way. I heard a loud, fast grunt behind me. It scared my soul halfway out of my body. Who's there? I shouted as I whipped around with my flashlight searching the dark. Hunter Greyborn, what are you doing here? I exclaimed. My brother looked up at me smugly and said he snuck in the car. He didn't want to miss out on all the fun. I grabbed his shirt, pulled him close, and whispered, You better be quiet and stay out of my way. After ten minutes of walking, 
I turned on my camera and had Hunter take the flashlight. Not a second later, I heard a fast scutter behind me. Did you hear that? Hunter asked, shining the light on my face. I told him to just be quiet. I wanted to get whatever made that noise on tape. My brother made a noise, and when I looked at him, he was much shorter. He shined the light down at his feet to discover he was sinking quickly into the sand. Come on, grab my hand, I cried. I pulled on him, but I wasn't strong enough. Try harder, Hunter, come on, I yelled. Something's grabbing me. I can feel it, he shouted. Hunter struggled to climb up, but as the sand reached his chin, he looked me in the eyes and said, Run. All I could see was my brother's horrified face before a green flash came, and he disappeared. My heart stopped. He was gone, just like Coronado in the old legend. Fear consumed me, and I knew I had to run. I raced into the darkness, hoping I was heading towards the car. I had to get help. After what seemed like an hour of running, I collapsed. Whatever took him had to be too far away to get me too. A sudden sound of movement behind me made me fear otherwise. It's just the wind. It's just the wind, I said. It's just the laying on the sand. I suddenly felt my body sinking. The sand consumed me and sharp grains of sand filled my eyes and lungs. The pressure compounded on my neck as if to strangle the life out of me. The last thing I saw was that same green light surrounding me before I descended into total darkness. A shrill scream caused me to shoot out of my deep sleep, only I couldn't sit up. I opened my eyes and was blinded by the widest and brightest room I had ever seen. Like a hospital room, except... My arms and legs were enclosed in thick metallic rings. Slowly, I turned my head to where the now muffled screaming came from. I saw in the bed next to me, laid Hunter, shackled like me, only drenched in blood. Standing over him, with a rotating blade in hand, was a tall, silver body that looked as if it was made of leather. Its hands were larger than any human's and it looked as if it could crush boulders with just one of them. The scariest thing, though, was the alien's three eyes. They were huge and a deep, flowing black. Don't touch her. Just take me, my brother pleaded. Another tall creature entered the room, and they looked identical. Realizing what was about to happen to me next, I began to struggle. No, don't, I cried, trying to break free. The alien stalked closer to me. When it reached my bed, its large hand wrapped around my throat, holding me still. As it examined me, it seemed to speak, but I heard the words with my mind, not my ears. Specimens are related. One will suffice. Its voice uttered inside me. Suddenly, I was free. Gasping for air and coughing up sand, a park ranger stood over me. The sun was beating down and I was back in the park. He asked me if I was okay and I frantically looked around for Hunter. He was nowhere to be found. And I had the horrible realization that I would never see my brother again. 
Thank you, Emma, so much for inspiring this story for us with your tale. There are so many paranormal locations that have um, paranormal and supernatural and even alien activity attached to them. Dear listener, have you tried to look for places like this? Have you been anywhere spooky for a family vacation? Once you were there, would you be brave enough to go out exploring at night? We would like to know about some more haunted places dealing with the supernatural or the paranormal or the alien. So please let us know what haunted places would you like to visit or that you know of. Maybe even a tale attached to the place. Tell us where at something scary at snarled.com. It's now that time of year when everyone puts away their holiday decorations. Well, mostly everyone. Be careful. Leaving your decorations in the spotlight for too long can have unintended consequences. Elena couldn't stop thinking about the 13-foot skeleton her family bought last Halloween. 12-foot skeletons were all the rage at the big box stores, but the local mom-and-pop hardware store, King's Things, had to outdo them by making their own one-of-a-kind version of the articulated plastic skeleton with light-up eyes. It was better, they claimed, by one whole foot. It was crudely made compared to the originals, but that made it even creepier. The plastic was dull yellow and filled with cracks. The battery-operated eyes flickered off and on. It looked terrible and sinister, which made it perfect for the holiday. Elena's family went all out with the decorations in the front yard and made the 13-foot skeleton their centerpiece. The whole neighborhood loved it, making Halloween a huge hit for everyone, except Elena. She couldn't shake the feeling of uneasiness the thing gave her and was looking forward to Halloween being over. That is, until her family decided to keep the skeleton around for Thanksgiving. Her older sister was the one that suggested that they keep it and her parents were delighted. Soon, the neighborhood was too, as the creepy skeleton now held a plastic cornucopia filled with a stuffed turkey. After that, It was inevitable that the skeleton would stick around once the Christmas decorations came out as well. The weird part was, it almost seemed like the skeleton was thriving from all the attention. The cracked plastic bones seemed smoother and whiter in the glow of the stringed lights wrapped around them. The once flickering eye lights now beamed bright and steady. Her dad even sewed together a giant Santa hat for it to wear. It was a jolly nightmare. Elena couldn't recall a time over the last couple of months when there wasn't someone out front marveling at the thing she'd come to loathe. Even worse, every day someone was changing the position of the skeleton. She was surprised that her parents or sister would go to all that trouble, but no one would own up to it. They even accused her of being the one moving it. Finally, New Year's passed, and Elena volunteered to take down all the Christmas decorations. She couldn't wait to fold up that monstrosity into the garage. 
As she tried to bend the skeleton's articulated joints, however, they wouldn't budge. It stared at her with its dead light-up eyes and clenched plastic jaw. Elena felt queasy. No matter her position, it never seemed to take its eyes off her. It was almost as if it didn't want to be put away, but she refused to give up and finally stored it in the corner of the garage. As the garage door closed, she finally felt a sense of relief. What Elena didn't consider was that coming home from school, she'd enter through the garage into the house. Each time she saw it, the thing appeared to be slowly coming out of its fetal position. She swore its eyes flickered once, despite having its batteries removed. She finally confronted her family about pranking her, but they all denied it. Her sister loudly said how she was over it anyway and that they should probably throw the huge thing out. One night, Elena got home late and as she entered the side door of the garage, she noticed the skeleton was gone. Elated to be rid of it, she skipped inside. There, sitting on the couch, was that giant skeleton. Elena began calling for her sister and parents. These pranks were no longer funny, but she couldn't find anyone else at home. When she returned to the living room, the skeleton was turned towards her, its eyes flickering. Elena had had enough and yelled out, Stop doing this to me. It's not. Suddenly, the 13-foot skeleton stood up on its own. The lights in its eyes turned bright red. It grabbed at Elena. Its plastic bony fingers cut deep into her arm as she yanked away from it. Terrified, she ran down the hallway towards the front door. Following close behind, the skeleton chased her on all fours, ducking its massive frame into the lower ceiling hallway. Its body screeched against the narrow walls as Elena made it outside. Horror filled her as she saw the bodies of her family, broken and grotesquely positioned in the yard like decorations. As she screamed, stringed lights lit all around them, putting the grisly scene on full display for the neighborhood. Just then, a bony hand grabbed Elena's ankle, dragging her back into the house. The months of adulation and awe from the neighborhood had empowered the monstrous thing, and now it craved more. As decorations tightened around her, a broken plastic voice said, Don't worry, we'll be joining them soon enough. This week's podcast stories were edited by Markia McCarty, Sarah Lukasiewicz, and Dennis Culver. Narration by Markia McCarty. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Art and graphics by Mari Carlson. Produced by Hannah Mullen and Markia McCarty. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings, sweet dreams. <laughs> <laughs>